We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. Welcome back, BuzzBeat listeners, Queen City Hoops readers, and Hornets fans. This is episode 40 of BuzzBeat Radio, and we have a lot to discuss about this one-in-one Charlotte Hornets team, who are fresh off a comeback win in their home opener versus Atlanta. On this installment of BuzzBeat, we are again without Spencer as he is out of commission as he recently got married and is still getting back from his honeymoon. Brian and I will hit on a variety of topics. There's a lot to like and a lot to be concerned with as the Hornets deal with a bunch of injuries in the early part of their schedule. Before we begin, we want to thank all of our dedicated listeners of the show so far as we enter our first full season of the podcast. Uh, Keep recruiting friends to listen to the show. I think we offer the most intelligent breakdowns and dialogue that can be found anywhere out there on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, with that being said, let me introduce uh, our co-host and Sports Channel 8's own, Brian Geisinger. Brian, how's it going? Uh, not too bad, Richie. Uh, nice to see Charlotte get the uh, get the win Friday night over the uh, the Hawks in Uptown. And uh, glad to be back with you as we do one more of these before uh, Spencer returns from, from wedding and, and honeymoon. And, uh, I've seen, I've seen some tweets. It looked like, it's funny. It looked like he was able to fire off a few Hornets tweets over the past week. Uh, so, so good on him for staying vigilant, but, uh, saw some Snapchats and stuff. It looked like he, he was having a good time. So happy for him and the, uh, the newlyweds and, uh, we'll look forward to doing the next one of these with the, uh, the three of us back, yeah. back full. Yeah, can't wait for that. But definitely wouldn't be thinking about the Hornets on my honeymoon. So that's that's crazy of him to get onto Twitter. And uh, I just got back from a wedding in, in uh, Beaufort, North Carolina. So literally right before we're recording this podcast, I was able to get in the Atlanta game. Uh, and that was a very fun game to watch. So we're going to start there. And I guess yeah. we'll just start with the positives of this game. I'm going to give you mine, you give me yours, and we'll just kind of go back and forth about this game. The first thing that I want to talk about uh, is Kimball Walker and his play in both games, but especially in Atlanta, he was consistent from the get-go. And it's just so fun to watch him, especially at home when he gets involved in the game energy-wise, he gets the crowd pumped up. 
and he was really the only one that had it going early on. And as as the comeback w- w- was uh, being had, he was always you know an integral part of this comeback. Whether it was scoring the ball, shooting the ball, uh, dishing the ball to Dwight, it just was so fun to watch him come back. And he finished with twenty six points, shot the ball forty six percent from the field. So we're talking about you know is his shooting going to be sustainable from last year? And yes, it's only two two games in, but he shot the ball very well. Even, you know, I think in preseason there were some concerns because I don't think he shot the ball too well, but it was good to see him shoot the ball uh, at, at a high rate. And he also had nine assists. And I think a lot of those were to Howard, which I which I like that that pairing there. And Howard did a good job of grabbing the ball and just going up with it. You know, Kimba found him in spots and he went up quickly with it. On the other end of the court, I thought Kemba's defense was 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 good as well. I think that he'll never be a lockdown defender, but you have to give him credit for what he's been able to do with his size. There was one play, Brian, in the second quarter where he was matched up on uh, Torian Prince, um, you know, a mismatch in size. He backed him down. You know, D didn't give up, didn't give up too much, you know, distance there. And he was very active with his hands. Prince still made the basket, but anyone who watches basketball and knows basketball, that that was a great defensive possession. So we got to give credit to Kimball on both ends of the court. And then uh, I guess another positive is Dwight's Howard play. I was talking about that a little bit earlier with Kimba. Those two pair well together. He drew a lot of fouls. I mean, yes, he's not the, you know, the best free throw shooter. But, you know, he's just a, he's just a beast down low, and it's hard to contend with him because he takes up so much size. And, and it, even if he's drawing fouls that he's not making his free throws, at least the team fouls go up, and we get in the bonus a little bit quicker. And uh, he was he was pretty monstrous on the offensive boards as well. So I, I like those two play, and it's very hard. I was talking to you before. Very hard to pinpoint one player in this, you know, comeback. We were down by 20 points at one point, and we chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. Uh, and both of those play players stood out to me. What were your positives from this Atlanta game? A lot to like starting from the second quarter on. <laughs> the last 36 mm-hmm. minutes of this game were, were a lot of fun, and the crowd was into it. The first 12 or so, maybe the first 15, pretty disappointing. <laughs> and uh, the narrative on Twitter was already being written, uh, The 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 sort of, post-mortem on the 2017-2018 Hornets uh, was already happening in real time on Twitter but it was incredible to see them to see them break out of it and and obviously like en- enough just can't be said about, about Kemba I mean he, he's the guy that pushes this team he's their best player now it's there's just there's so much data that proves a hey, Kemba Walker's one of the best I don't know dozen 20 shooters whatever the number is one of the best shoot x amount of shooters on earth he's that good and when he gets enough space you just assume it's going to go in half the time, and and that's wild in a place that, as recently as you know two three years ago, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have believed that. And the two of us could wax poetically about Kemba all afternoon. He, he's that special of a player, and, and he means that much to the team. But just so we can kind of go off in, in a slightly different direction here, Frank Kaminsky had a, had an incredible game. And he was pretty bad, no doubt. That's probably putting it mildly in the opener against Detroit. One for nine against the Pistons, four points, 0-5 on three-pointers, and a, uh, a box score uh, minus 12 in that game. And then against against the Hawks, 7 of 14 shooting, 2 of 5 on three-pointers, 21 points. 15 of those came in the second quarter. That That's when the game was falling apart. And he had some threes, and even he, Frank was able to, to even score from the uh, the mid range, the mid post, which is occasionally a dead zone for him. Even though you feel like because he should be able to, that's kind of one of the 
general ranges he should be able to exploit mismatches from. You you think that should be a target area of, of his, and, and it's not. Much to the the frustration of a of a lot of fans, and and he was he got buckets there, and, and was a plus. The Hornets were a plus eighteen with him on the court, and they just they had to have it from from Kaminsky, and he did an incredible job paired up with Dwight, and there was even a brief stretch I want to say right before halftime uh, because Dwight was dealing with foul trouble, and obviously Cody Zeller was not playing that. They ran Kaminsky at the five a little bit. Very brief stretch. But uh, I thought it was good for to even see him get some minutes there. As I've kind of talked with you and Spencer before in the past, I kind of think long-term, and, and this may not even be in Charlotte, this may be elsewhere. This is just me speaking specifically about, about Frank Kaminsky and his career. I tend to think ultimately he's going to have to move full-time to the backup five at some point. And then I think that's kind of where he – and obviously there's – all kinds of issues defensively and, and defending the rim and rebounding. No doubt all, all that stuff exists, but I think as far as where he is athletically foot speed wise, I think he, that's kind of the, the backup five is really his, his best spot, but he, he played great next to Dwight in this game. He played great with Kemba and he really saved them in the second quarter when things were falling apart and Kemba was on the bench and he deserves, he Frank is a guy that he's kind of a meat shield for a lot of, uh, I think a lot of Hornets fans online, when things are going bad, I think he's one of the guys that people it's, – it's easy to point a finger at him because he, he struggles occasionally, but also because people are more comfortable to critique him than they would be, say, Kemba or Marvin. I, I think guys that are the fan favorites. And, and so because of that, I think after he has such a good game, you, you, have, to play, you have to give uh, tip of the cap to Frank Kaminsky because he, he played great. And you know he's still not without his issues this season. He's one of nine on above the break threes for the season. And those are shots. He just, he can't Richie. He can't shoot 25% on those this year. You know, he can't do it. He's got to be in the mid thirties, probably closer to 40%, mm-hmm. but he is three of three in the restricted area, which is nice. Cause again, at the hoop's been kind of a dead zone for him the first two seasons in the NBA. And you know, he, he brought it and you can tell the, you, you hit on Dwight in Kemba um, and, uh, and when you were, when we were kind of talking about the guys that really stood out for us against, against Atlanta, but I'll say this, this is, this is so far this season, the starting lineup has been, has gotten smoked. Um, but there's a four man group of Dwight Howard, Kemba Walker, Jeremy Lamb, and Frank Kaminsky and being with whomever plays the, is the, the fifth guy for that. But when those four guys are on the court in 21 minutes, this so far this season, now obviously this will change a lot. But Charlotte is scoring over 1.4 points per possession, which is, is, is insane. And that group has a net rating of plus 60 points per 100 possessions. And a lot of that obviously comes has to deal with what they did against Atlanta in the second and third quarters Friday night. Yeah, and, and the second quarter was very pivotal because if that lead expanded any farther, you know, you could see that, that this team might not be able to come back. But they chipped away, chipped away in the second quarter. I think they got it down to seven points at halftime. Very doable. And then, like yeah. like we just talked about, the third quarter, they they, they, t- they took over. Um, and they, I think they went on a 15-0 run at one point, maybe even a greater. Yeah. But, but back to your point about Kaminsky, I, I think that I will probably always disagree with you on, on, on his position. I still yeah. think he's a, he's a power forward. And you said you thought that he played center at the end of the – what was it, first or second quarter you said? Or first quarter maybe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was the first half actually. First half, yeah. So he was playing with Johnny O'Brien at one point. Yeah, right. And I, right. I, yeah, Johnny O'Brien was guarding Muscala, and he was guarding Babbitt. So to me – 
okay, like yeah. you say, you are who you yeah. guard. Uh, to me, Babbitt was the four in that lineup. Muscala yeah, was is. the center. But yeah, that's that's true. But that's potentially, you you think that he's a center in this league? I just think on the defensive end, he just can't stay with with centers. Uh, but we do have to give credit, like you said, to Kaminsky because I am not his biggest fan. I, I'll be the first one to say that. But when he does have games like this, we do need to give him credit because he was so instrumental in that comeback. Uh, he even had six rebounds, which is uh, you know kind of unlike. Man. Kaminsky, six rebounds, yeah. getting in there, grabbing those boards. And, you know, he had some shots that were a little bit lucky where he was flailing and, and throwing the ball up and they went in. Uh, but when he plays with confidence, shoot the ball with confidence, when he is on, this team plays so much better. And he is that unicorn type player. He just has a unique skill set that he can offer to the Hornets. And yeah, we definitely have to give him credit for what he's done so far, or at least in the game against Atlanta. And I thought too, you've got to, and he also did a good job too. Part of the big third quarter was in, and I couldn't believe Atlanta just kept throwing this coverage at Kemba on, on every pick and roll, every pick and pop. It was like, you guys probably need to mix this up a little bit here, but uh, you know, Dwight or Frank or whatever would set a would set a screen and if it was Dwight he would roll and if it was Kaminsky he'd pop out and Atlanta was sending two guys at Kemba clearly trying to get the ball out of his hands but and I I would need to look it up but I feel like Kemba had a fair amount of hockey assists in that game too just because secondary assists because as soon as they doubled him he'd flip it back to the middle to Kaminsky or Lamb and then they would swing it to the weak side and the Hornets just kept getting look good looks from that. And so not only was Kaminsky did not only did Kaminsky do a good job in that sort of action, uh, credit goes to a lot of of the wings on the Hornets too. Trevion Graham playing 24 big minutes for the Hornets in that win, and and I don't think he lit up the box score or anything like that. Yeah, nine you know nine points, two rebounds, nothing crazy, but just being a ball mover, being a facilitator on that weak side. Same thing with Dwayne Bacon. Same thing with Jeremy Lamb. I thought all three of the of the wings that played big minutes for the Hornets not you know Monk was Monk hit three or whatever <laughs> but he's certainly he's been he actually hit two threes but you know certainly he's been dealing with some of these early season struggles but I thought I thought Graham and Bacon on the weak side did a good job hitting shots when the ball was swung their direction and and keeping it moving when it wasn't and I thought that was again I, I thought that was instrumental in, yeah. in the comeback for, for the Hornets too those guys those guys deserve a, uh, a lot of credit. It was a collective effort um, with guys that played the final 36 minutes of this game, and and certainly the rookie Bacon has has had a has had a strong start, uh, including the preseason to his professional career, and, and that should be exciting, I think, for you know for Hornets fans and yeah, certainly certainly people that work within the team too. But can't give enough credit to Kaminsky. I, mean, I feel like people dog him a lot win when it doesn't go well and what's tough too is and maybe we can get on this a little bit more is you know <laughs> richie do you think this is a frank kaminsky we can count on every night no because he hasn't proven it like no clearly, no is clearly the answer to that but you just you wish you could give 80 percent of that every night you mm-hmm. know and maybe mm-hmm. occasionally could pop. you just wish the floor wasn't so low for him you wish the floor could be 75 percent or 80 percent of what you saw Friday night against Atlanta and it just feels like you can't quite get that but you know who knows maybe he's able to maybe he's able to build off this 
uh, a little bit. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to get my hopes up too much, but for at least one night, he was he was outstanding. He was good. Yeah, yeah, and you, like you said, the hockey assist where he's actually in the middle of the court where he can swing it over to the to the wing on the weak side. And there was actually this one play where it wasn't a hockey assist, and I and they doubled Kimba hard on the pick and roll, and he made this bounce pass that split the defenders to Dwight. And either Dwight went up for an and one or he just went up and made the dunk. I can't remember exactly, but it was in the third quarter, I believe. And and they, they doubled him hard. So yeah, defending the pick and roll, Kemba knows what to do. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna get uh, you know, scared by that double team. And yep. yes, Bacon has been our better rookie this year, two games in, and you know, I, I do kind of want to talk about Monk. What, what what are your thoughts on Monk so far? Do you think that this is? I mean, I feel like he's reeling. You know, he's pressing. Yeah. He's not doing too well, but he keeps shooting the ball. He had a he had a little stretch where he hit a couple threes uh, in a row. I feel like in the game, but other than that, he has not been shooting the ball. And should we be concerned by this guy's slump? Uh, you know, heading into next week, and and what do you, what do you think this means for Monk's playing time? It's tough. I think at least in the short term, it doesn't it doesn't impact his playing time too much, just because right now, now he's the backup point guard. <laughs> you see, he's got to be able to play, and you know, obviously he's getting a couple minutes next to Kemba every game too. But he's got to be able to play at least twelve minutes a night, and maybe that's not enough time to build up a little bit of a rhythm. He played eighteen against uh, against Atlanta. I think he played twenty two uh, against the Pistons opening night, but. As far as you know, outside of his playing time in the short term, is there room to be to panic? Nah, I don't. I don't think so. I obviously there's. You would love to have for him to have played a lot better the last couple of games, and and he certainly is. He has it in his genes to just to let it fly. I mean, the guys, the guys, a shooter. Ultimately, it's been the guys played forty minutes of NBA basketball, and I mean, obviously, it hasn't been pretty, but. Let's let's give it let's give it a little bit of time to breathe. And, you know, maybe a month from now we're looking back and everything looks the same. It's been rough. And then if that's the case, then we can start having discussions. But it's not even Halloween yet. So let's maybe not write off the 19 year old rookies too soon. I feel like, Um, you know, it doesn't look great. He's three of 11 on three pointers this season. Twenty seven and a half percent. I should mention one of those threes was a like full quarter court heave at the end of the quarter one time. So he's really three for 10 on the season. Um, he's yet to attempt a free throw. I think that's, that's a little troublesome. I mean, he hasn't gotten to line once yet this season and is a 27% turnover rate. And uh, the Hornets in general, as a team are having a tough time hanging on to the ball. Dwayne Bacon, the other rookie has struggled in this regard. So has Dwight. And it feels like, a lot of times these turnovers happen actually when they're trying to force feed the ball into Dwight a little bit, which which is I think a bigger concern than oh Dwayne Bacon didn't play so hot in his first two games. Uh, he had a great move to at one point to get one of his catch and shoot threes. I think it was uh, he was awful. It was like a weak side pin down. I don't remember who was setting the screen for him, but he he sh- he shoulder sh- he shoulder shrugged one way. And either got Bazemore or one of the other Atlanta wings leaning one way, and they sprinted back up towards the you know foul line extended uh-huh. wing area, and just in bottom to three. And and you and Spencer, myself, the three of us have been talking about this since we've been scouting this guy basically last spring. I mean, he really knows how to move without the ball, but I, I do think he's pressing, like you said. Yeah. I think him him having to be the backup point guard now. Man, it's tough for rookies in the NBA, and it's really tough. They, those guys are most likely going to be bad on defense, 
and they're going to space out and turn the ball over or they're going to press and turn the ball over. And that's what's happening. But I don't think there's any need to, to, to panic. The, we, everyone who watched this team, if you saw any of the preseason action, there were plenty of bright spots. And, boy, that shot from the corners does look really good when he gets a chance to let it fly. And he's hit a couple corner threes from, from that right side hash. And uh, so I, I'm not going to panic with Malik Monk. But uh, I can understand why people are a little discouraged because – Dwayne Bacon's outperformed him through the first two games of the season. Yeah, I mean, Bacon, I feel like, has, has played a solid two games. You know, Monk's, Monk's ceiling is, is way higher than Bacon. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if Bacon can ever reach the heights that Monk can reach. But right now, Bacon is outplaying him. And yep. like you're talking about, like, you know, he's going to have to see minutes early on because he's, quote, unquote, the backup point guard. You know, I think that Clifford just gave up on Stone after the first half. Like, he played five, six minutes in the game, all that in the first yeah. half. It's it's just tough to, to watch that second unit because mm-hmm. if – well, especially if Monk's not hitting his shots. It's kind of painful to watch. You watch the end of the first quarter in Atlanta, that was a very difficult uh, part of the game to watch because in the first half of the first quarter, we kind of kept the game close. But once when the, the, the second unit started to trickle in and Monk's not hitting his shots, there really isn't a true point guard to get the offense going because he's not a true facilitator. But he will have to play backup point guard minutes, but he's got to start hitting his shot. Because, you know, that that just makes things a whole lot better and efficient on that offensive end in that, in that second unit. Because the second unit offense was was pretty bad. And and we might have to start using Lamb like a Batum. And yep. he played very well against Atlanta. You know, just the way that he's able to get into the teeth of the defense. Got to shield his guy on the back as he's dribbling to the mid-range. And he just uses his long arms for the floater or for the mid-range shot. He's just so comfortable in that area. But, yeah, Monk... It's not time to panic, not time to worry. Like you said, it's two games in. We can't overblow a situation two games in, but we also need to take everything with a grain of salt. And, yeah, I mean, he's had some turnovers. Every Everybody's had some turnovers. That That's kind of been a theme with this team uh, the first two games in. Detroit, I think they had 10 turnovers at half. Um, and I think in Atlanta they had even like 15 turnovers at half. But I will say, Brian, a lot of their turnovers are dead ball turnovers, like passes out of bounds. Traveling, yeah. offensive fouls. So they're not necessarily leading to fast break points the other way. I mean, there are some, and, and it is concerning when you turn the ball over that much. So I'm not sure why for a team that does like to cherish the ball so much. I'm not so I'm not sure why we're turning the ball over so much. I don't know if it's just a thing like chemistry, getting all the players working together. Not sure. I mean, yeah. do you have any thoughts on why we're turning the ball over so early? Yeah, I just – I'm not totally sure. I just think it's like overall just sort of a general lack of of offensive talent off the get go. Plus, you're playing a lot of young guys. Uh, you're Dwayne Bacon and Malik Monk are 19 and 20 years old, and they're playing tons of minutes for you. And I just think if that's going to happen, yeah, you're going to turn it over a little bit, and then you're trying to also implement a guy like Dwight Howard into the offense too. So I, I'm not surprised the turnover rates are high. But uh, th- that's something that that's just got to get nailed down. Um, and obviously, the numbers look a little wonky right now. And things will things will normalize and settle a little bit as the season goes along. And Bacon's one of those guys. I mean, he has a turnover rate of twenty and a half, twenty eight and a half percent right now. I mean, he's even worse than Monk. And um, but uh, so they're, they're just. I do think it's teams are loading up on Kemba. 
which is putting more defensive attention on him, which is making it tougher for him to breathe, get passes through. It's making him work so hard to get shots right now, um, except for you know parts of the Atlanta game, that it's just tough, and it's leading to turnovers. But really, I think the biggest problem is they have these two rookies that are playing guard. And if you play, you know, like, like we said a little bit ago, uh, defense and turnovers, those are going to be issues. But would like to add for Bacon, we talked about this, uh, I believe, with with Chris Kroger in the the post draft podcast that we did a few months back, mm-hmm. and area that I targeted for him was shooting from the corners. So Dwayne Bacon, four seven on three pointers so far this season, three of five from the corners, which is nice to see. And again, it's so 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 early, but uh, he's going to have those clean looks all season. Those those looks from the corners are never going to go away from him. And I, if he can if he can hit those at anything close to a forty percent rate. You know, not only can this guy play in the league for a long time, but but damn, he can he can help the team win some games this year too. So I, I'm not sure how much any of this totally matters just yet, because it's October 20 whatever, and these guys are just rookies, and there's 80 games to go from here. But overall, it's no doubt a positive, and I think Bacon's looked better than expected, and. You know, I think that should be celebrated a, a little bit too. He doesn't have great handles, which I also think is part of the reason why he's he's, he's not only is he a rookie. I, I don't think Bacon is the most confident ball handler either, which just has caused him to cough it up, right? Uh, you know, at a decent rate. But hey, man, you keep making those corner threes, you can live with a lot of other stuff. So I am, um, you know, I am. I think I think myself and everyone else is overall pleased with what you've seen from uh, from Dwayne Bacon here to start. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to judge things off two games, but I'm glad that there's actual basketball that we can look at to start seeing some trends. And, and, and one trend that I'm seeing that has carried over from last year, and I know we're kind of hitting hard on the negatives here, but another negative is, is Marvin Williams. You know, he has not shot the ball well. A little bit better in the Detroit game, but in uh, yeah. the Atlanta game, I don't think he made a single a single you know basket from the field. Yeah, he was 0 for 4 from 3. I think that I think we should be cons- a little bit concerned in Marvin's shooting slump because it is carrying over from last year. It'd be one thing if it this was the first year after his you know his high forty percent from three, and he didn't really play that much. I felt like in the second half, a lot of it was Kaminsky, like we were talking about. I mean, how concerned are you with Marvin? I think if Kaminsky has games like this, I don't mind. You know Marvin being in and out, and he was the biggest fan on the sideline. You know having these yeah. up and out games, but you know, I, you know, with our injuries and our roster already thin as it is, you know, it, it's kind of hard to afford you know some of our better players to go through these inconsistent streaks. So, what are your thoughts on Marvin so far? Do you think it's becoming a trend? Do you think he's lost, not quote unquote lost his shooting touch? I mean, what what do you think is the deal with Marvin? The what's great about him- First off, what's great about Marvin is, like you said, he was a big. He's the biggest cheerleader. He's the first guy off the bench. I mean, he's got, you know, he's the the captain of the three goggles and all that stuff. And you also know, not only that, not only is he the team's best cheerleader, but he's always going to go 100 percent on defense. Like you never have to worry about that with him. So let's at least say the. I, I do think while this team needs him to be better. He's got to start making some three pointers, at least with Marvin. Like you can always count on these two things. Like he, he brings good spirit chemistry as much as I, you and I love numbers and love dissecting that stuff. 
hey man, chem- basketball is a sport, it's a team sport, synergy, chemistry, like all that stuff matters. So I think having someone like Marvin like that, yeah, it is important. And he's going to play hard on defense and he can guard a couple positions too. But he doesn't, you know, that offensive game, obviously he likes to mix in the floaters every now and then when he, when he'll slip a pick and roll or, or pick mm-hmm. and pop or whatever. But he's got to hit those threes. And especially once MKG comes back and you've got that the small forward position, you're just getting nothing three-point shooting from, you got to have guys like Kaminsky and Marvin to make threes. So, yeah, it is a little troublesome and it is a little worrying. But, again, like you said, he did shoot the ball pretty well against uh, Detroit opening night. Obviously, he struggled mightily against the Hawks. He played less than eight minutes in the second half. Uh, Kaminsky played 16. So, like you said, he was fairly invisible in the second half. And he was 0-4 shooting in the second half and 0-3 on three-pointers. So they've got to get more from Marvin. But uh, it's tough to tell. Like he's on the other side of 30. Like yeah, maybe he should be a little. Maybe he should be a little concerned. But you know, at the same point in time, these looks that he's getting. They're the same looks he's gotten every day since he got to Charlotte. Like, and it's not like oh, if he lost a little bit of a, of his jump, or he's not trying to score over dudes in the post. He's shooting wide open threes. So I think it'll, I think it'll, I think it'll, he'll he'll tick up a little bit as the season goes along. I don't think we can expect the forty percent, forty plus percent we saw in two thousand sixteen. But I think hovering around that 36 percent, yeah, ultimately I think that's where he'll settle down. The problem is you need it now. Especially now that now that uh, now that Nick Batum is sidelined, you just you, you need these guys that are your plus shooters to hit threes. It can't be all Kemba. It, just, yeah. it can't be all Kemba. And uh, unfortunately, you know they've got a really tough stretch coming up the next couple of games, and they're just it's imperative that Marvin makes some threes for them against Denver, against um, pardon Milwaukee. me, against Milwaukee, against Denver, and against Houston. I mean, they they just got to have it. That frustrates me the most with Marvin last year was just his inconsistencies. I, I went like month by month with his like three point shooting, and it was like crazy up and down. These dips and these you know these valleys, these highs, these lows, very similar to Frank. So maybe when Frank yeah. has a good game, Marvin has an off game, and vice versa. Yeah. But at least if one of them is is having a good game, I feel comfortable with with the four stretching the floor a little bit. Yeah. But if they're both off or if they go through a inconsistent stretch, it's going to be difficult, and you lose defense. Like you said, with Marvin off the court, but yeah. you know maybe you can insert Graham in there, like they did against yeah. Atlanta with Frank, and, and you know kind of shore, shore up the the perimeter defense a little bit yeah. uh, when Frank's out there. Because if you lose defense with Marvin, you got to add it elsewhere. And yep. so I, mean, I, I do like you know Graham's role with this team because he's just a solid player that will come in and, and play solid defense. You can stick him yep. in the corner and Frank Frank will find him at times like we talked yep. about. He's a very good passer. So, yeah, I am a little bit concerned about Marvin just because he's a little inconsistent, you know, you know, at his age at what is he 31, 32 and yep. um yeah, I, I don't know. I, he's obviously not ever going to get back to the 40%, but I just wish there was some kind of consistency between him and Frank. But hey, you know, one can have a good game, one has a bad game, and they could just flip flop. There you go. And it's one of those. It should. You know, it's important to remember too with Marvin. Um, you know, he's in year two of a of a fifty four million dollar contract <laughs> with that last year in two thousand nineteen two thousand twenty being a player option, including this season. He's still owed over forty two million dollars. Like he ain't going anywhere. Uh-uh. Um, he's got to start making some threes. What is tough too is you know you see he and he and Kaminsky. This is just like this is the beauty and. Also, like terrifying nature of basketball, 
it's so random. I mean, those guys, those guys are, those guys take open threes. They take three pointers where guys are with, they're not within four feet of them. And, you know, sometimes those go in, sometimes they don't. The game, the game is just so random sometimes as much as we can break it down scientifically and pull up all the numbers and, you know, me, man, I'm, I'm all for that. It is at the end of the day, it is, it is super random too. So yeah, hopefully, you know, maybe like you said, one has a bad game. The other one can play good and bounce it out. I just promise you, you have, if the Hornets have games where they play cliff ball and they play solid defense and uh, they take care of the rock and they don't turn it over. And those guys both hit threes. Charlotte will be tough to beat. Yeah. And um, that's the other thing too. You know the kind of shooting you're going to get from Kemba. He just needs he needs another guy out there to give him another reliable mid thirties, high thirties, forty percent three point shooter. I, I hate to say it. I don't, I don't think that. I just don't know if Kaminsky is the guy you can count on for that. Marvin, I'm hoping to be that guy. But uh, but obviously the the result against Atlanta was not super duper promising uh, Friday night. All right, Brian, we're, we're going we're gonna to transition to a, a somewhat of a fun segment. Uh, Halloween is around the corner, uh, about a week away. And we're going to play this game called Trick or Treat. And we're going to choose two players here, uh, Kaminsky and Lamb. And yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'll start first. I'll start with, uh, with Frank, and then you can start, uh, or you can follow, and then you can start with Lamb. So... Frank can look useless one game, then he can look very valuable against the game against Atlanta, uh, and when he's good, he, he's got it going, and, and, it, and it's very good for this team. So the way the game this is played, do you think it's a trick, meaning it's it's not sustainable, or do you think it's a treat that he's going to have a, you know, a good season, and this is something that we can see continuing as a trend? So I'm going to start with Frank Kaminsky, and I will gotcha. say that this is a trick. A trick. This yeah. game right here is a trick. He has spurts, and he's shown it throughout his career, that he can go up and down. He has yet to put it all together to where it's been on a consistent basis to where I could say it would be a treat. So until he does that, it's hard for me to yeah. buy into this guy. I love it when he's on. I love it when he's shooting. Um, but he doesn't really offer much if he's not shooting the ball well. But when he does shoot the ball well, um, he offers a lot at that four spot, and he might get more minutes than Marvin if, if you surround him with the right pieces. So to me, just to keep it kind of quick, I would say, Frank, this 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 early season, or I guess I keep saying early season, it's just one game. I say it's a trick. What do, yeah. what do you say about Frank? Yeah, I hate to say it. This is the, the house in the neighborhood on Halloween that's giving out, like, Mounds bars or some other candy you don't want to eat. Like, this is... This is uh this is a trick, man. This is not this is not a uh, the Friday night against Atlanta was a treat, but ultimately I just don't think you can count on Kaminsky. Um, I mean, when's the last time you saw this guy play like this? Can you can you remember? I mean, I'm sure he had some game towards the end of the season last year, but it was six months ago, and he is up and down. And certainly he'll pop like this uh, every now and then, and certainly because he's a good shooter at times, he's willing to stand out there and shoot. And because he's playing a front court position and because he's a ball mover, some some of these sort of kind of uh, team specific stats like true shooting percentage and points per possession and and, and assist rate, like they're probably going to tick up a little bit with Frank out there. But but ultimately, you know, I, like I said a little bit ago, I just wish his floor could be 75 percent of what you saw uh, Friday night against Atlanta. Ultimately, it's probably not as bad as what you saw against Detroit. You know, but it's you, we're, there's just so much variance here. So, so no, I, I'm saying um, 
this is uh this a is trick. a trick yeah. and uh yeah i don't know he needs to go to costco and stock up on some some good candy or you or use amazon prime or whatever I don't, I don't know just find a way to get get better candy i uh, ultimately I, I don't think this is something they can count on i think there's a lot of data that proves over two plus seasons now that this guy is he's is just a high variance hitter this yeah. player. Yeah, I mean we'll, we'll praise him when he has good games like he did against Atlanta, but over yeah. a season worth, he has not put it all together. So I'll let you start off the next one here. Another player that a lot of people um, are a little bit polarized on is, is Jeremy Lamb. You know he he has his times on defense where he looks all right, but he also has these times on defense where he just looks totally lost. He's definitely aggressive on the boards. Um, he does a nice job with the ball in his hands. What do you think about Lamb? Trick or treat for this season? I'm going, uh, and maybe this is a, a little a little bold on my part here, but I'm going I'm going treat. Uh, this is a big season for Jeremy, and uh, this is it's his sixth year in the NBA, and he's getting a he's getting a serious shot at earning at earning some some big minutes. Uh, Starting while some of these other guys, some of these other wing players are out. I mean, he's yet to make a three pointer this season. He still gets super spacey on 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 defense, and I mean, he even had a he had, he had a possession against he had a segment of plays against Detroit a few nights ago that were just he he went bad possession on defense, turnover on offense, and then he completely lost track of uh, one some Detroit shooter. I think it's Bradley in the in the weak side corner, and either Smith or Jackson found him for an open three. And I think it was actually one of the plays Kemba lit into him afterwards. Um, and that's just that's what you're going to get with Jeremy. But I thought he had a nice game against Atlanta. I thought he did a good job running the offense a little bit and uh, getting the ball out of Kemba's hands, which then now you can move Kemba off the ball and he can do all these cool things as a catch and shoot guy or as a secondary creator. And so I think that's a cool step for Lamb to take a little bit. Um, obviously, he likes to pound the ball a lot, but the end result of that isn't always – oh, I'm going to just crank up a wild 17-footer here. I think this is a guy that knows what his strengths are. And, and you know, I, I'm never counting this guy to be a knockdown three-point shooter. I'm never counting on this guy to be um, to be a sort of, uh, a, you know, a consistent lockdown defender. But you know what he does do well. And and he and so I'm going to like like he embraces those strengths. I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to say I'm going to say treat with Jeremy Lamb, um, a small treat also too. Like this is, he's not, these are, this, it's a fun size candy bar. This is not, <laughs> not you, you don't, you're not going to get the full Snickers or three Musketeers or whatever, but this is a solid, like fun size Twix or, you know, Kit Kat or whatever. Right. Yeah. I, I would agree. I mean, I, I'm going to say treat as well. He's consistent in the sense that you know what you're getting from him. Like you said, you know, you know exactly what you're getting out of this guy and he's way more consistent than Frank. So this one was an easier question for me because, you know, Frank has higher highs than Lamb, but he also has way lower lows. So, yeah, Lamb on defense, he does take some bad angles. He gets a little spacey sometimes. He leaves his feet a little bit too often. Uh, but he's very instinctive on the defensive boards, which is uh, very helpful for our team, grabbing that defensive board and taking it up the court. And like you said, it allows Kimba to kind of play off ball. So Kimba can get up in, in transition and, and spot up if, if he needs to. And offensively, you know what you're getting from this guy. Um, you, he plays very well with the ball in his hands. And if he could just shoot the ball, I guess, mediocre, I guess, from the three-point line, uh, it will yeah. definitely be a bigger treat. But we're not expecting that. And I don't foresee this guy as somebody that even if he shoots like 
30% or lower as a guy that's going to still shoot and chuck the ball up. He knows his game. He's no, He knows his game is in the mid-range and getting to the basket, using his length with floaters and mid-range. He's not going to shoot you out of ball games. But if you yeah. could develop a mediocre three-point game, that's fine too. He showed bits and pieces of it this preseason, but I'm not banking on it. But still, to me, Lamb is a treat. His success looks to be a little bit more sustainable than than Frank Kaminsky's. So I will say Lamb as a, as a treat for me. I'm with you there. And should be noted, too, when he's on the court, Charlotte, again, just two games, so just 67 <laughs> minutes with him on the court, Charlotte scoring uh, 107 points per 100 possessions, which is pretty good. I mean, that's like a basically a fringe top 10 offense. And when he's off the court, and again, a lot of his minutes are tied with Kemba, so that matters. But... They're, they're only scoring 71 points per 100 possessions when he sits. They're, they're also um, only giving up 94 points per 100 possessions with Lamb on the court on the game, too. I also should mention, I forgot to bring this up when we were talking about Dwayne Bacon a little bit ago, but it looks like the Hornets may have another really good defensive rebounding yes. wing. Yeah, he is. Dwayne Bacon. He has in, in only, you know, I, I would, I'm not sure how many minutes he's played this season, uh, probably about, you know, 40, but he has 13 defensive boards already. He's well, 11, 11 of them were Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. So he can – another guy. Um, and obviously, you know, defensive rebounding is a huge priority of, of Steve Clifford's defense. So it's nice that they have at least two of those guys. And obviously, once MKG comes back too, now you've got, you know, a trio of, uh, of good de- uh, defensive rebounding. And obviously, MKG is a special offensive rebounder from his position too. Mm-hmm. Um but so, yeah, so that's another thing that's at least uh, something good to keep an eye on. Again, all this stuff, now it's maybe we should maybe even bring it out team-wide. Like, do you think what you saw against Atlanta, was that a trick or was that a treat? You know? Like, I'm a little worried heading into these games uh, this coming yeah. week for the whole – but I do want to also enjoy what was a good comeback victory, and they just – you know, you got to have those wins, especially while Batum and Zeller right. and these guys are out and stuff like it's, that. It's hard to judge because one, you're playing without you know Batum, you're playing without Cody. Uh, yeah. You know, our backup point guard that we supposedly signed over the summer, Carter Williams, is not playing. But then you also have to take it to effect that you're playing Atlanta, so you should still beat this team and, and play like you did on on Friday night. So it's yep. kind of probably in between. It's probably in between a trick and a treat. This the way yeah. that they played on Friday night. In their home opener, but yeah, this upcoming schedule. Uh, just, just listen to this, guys. We have Monday night uh, at Milwaukee, uh, and then we have three home games in a row: Wednesday at Den- or Wednesday versus Denver, Friday yeah. versus Houston. Those three games in a row are going to be very difficult games, especially with our thin roster. And we've already had news that uh, Kid Gilchrist will not be able to play Monday. Neither Cody Zeller. And, you know, we didn't miss Cody Zeller against the, the, the Hawks, but that's because, I think, partly because it was the Hawks. But these yeah. next three games, and then we have Orlando Sunday, which is going to be a little bit easier for us. But just yeah. getting through these three games, Ryan, you could probably see us, you know, losing all three, and no, it, that no would doubt. not be a surprise whatsoever. The, no doubt. And, I mean, after the first quarter of the Atlanta game on Friday, I was thinking they're going to start the season 0-5. <laughs> because I don't know if you've been watching, but – uh, you know, they play at Milwaukee on Monday, but Giannis, you know, the Greek freak, that dude is, I watched both of the games Milwaukee play this weekend. That guy is running stuff right now. I don't know how in the hell the Hornets are going to try to stop that guy come Monday, especially without Michael K. Gilchrist in the lineup. And it's scary to think at times that, 
Giannis, who basically plays the four for Milwaukee, and Frank Kaminsky positionally are going to be matched up at times too, which is uh, a, a little bit terrifying. Uh, there's really that just sounds like you're putting grease on a fire. But um, Charlotte in that first quarter against Atlanta, they scored six point. They scored zero point six six points per possession, twenty seven percent turnover rate, two of eight on threes. 35% shooting from the field. And I was like, dude, they're going to start the season 0 and 5. And then if that, you know, who knows what you do at, like, how do you ever come back from that? Other than maybe you, you count on the fact that, Hey, we're in the Eastern conference. We need mm-hmm. to get healthy. And, uh, you know, most of the teams around us aren't, aren't very good, but that would be, I think there's a very good chance they start the season one and four, but at least it's not, it's not, uh, it's not 0 and 5. That's, that's huge. Absolutely huge for them. Um, uh, and again, kudos to, to absolutely kudos to Kemba Walker because he's been just, I mean, he maybe at least temporarily saved the season yeah. a little bit right in against Atlanta. I should, um, you know, just, I'd like to just kind of list off a few other things here uh, with Kemba on the court Friday night in 38 minutes, Charlotte was plus 35 with him on the court. And look, I think on a game to game basis, plus minus, you don't ever want to read too much into it, but when it's that much, and, and and it's and it's also corresponding with the eye test. Yeah, I think that's really really impressive. Uh, the Hornets used the, the, the like I said the, like I said earlier in this podcast, the Hornets starters have gotten absolutely blitzed. But that lineup in the second half, Kemba, Dwight, Frank Kaminsky, uh, Trevion Graham, and Jeremy Lamb blitzed Atlanta in uh, ten minutes. It was Charlotte's second most used lineup that night. That group scored over one point three points per possession, which would be the best offense in the history of basketball. And had a net rating of plus 45 points per 100 possessions. And in the 18 minutes that Charlotte had Kemba, Kaminsky, and Dwight on the floor, better than 1.4 points per possession and a true shooting rate of 75%. And in the second half, the nine minutes those guys played in the second half against Atlanta, um, over 1.5 points per possession with Frank Kaminsky, Dwight Howard, and Kemba Walker on the court. I mean, that is just exceptional. Um, but they've got to cut down the, on the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Hornets had a turnover rate of 19.4% against the Hawks. Um, and I believe Charlotte had only two, Charlotte had only two games all of last season with a turnover rate of, of 19% or more. And you I mean, you just can't have those live ball turnovers. I mean, you said a lot of these have been dead ball, but you yeah. can't have these live ball ones against Giannis. Cause he's going to be dunking on you on the other way. You can't have them against the Rockets. Cause they're just going to rain 25, three pointers on you and you're going to lose. Um, and the Nuggets are no joke either. They've got a ton of weapons, and uh, and Nikolai Jokic is one of the top young big guys in the league. So uh, we will have to we'll have to see. But I think this next week could be could be a little rough. Now, of course, next Sunday is Orlando, but they beat the crap out of Cleveland last night. So who uh, who who knows what's happening in a, in a in a wacky Eastern Conference right now? Yeah, and and you know, kind of to wrap this up, and, and you just talked about it. You got to give a lot of credit to Kimba for carrying this team. My notes yep. right here for the uh, Detroit game, I have them right here, Brian. I have a couple yep. positives, a lot of negatives, but it says uh, <laughs> my positives: good paint D with Cody and Dwight. Um, yeah. What else was what else was a positive? Oh, Kimba carried the team. That's all I put. Like I had so very few positives from that game, other than the uh, the paint D with Dwight and Cody, and then Kimba carrying the team. My negatives 
Uh, DePias Harris killed at the four. Ten turnovers at half. Poor perimeter D. Charlotte bailed out by fouls. So, yeah, I mean, we got to give a lot of credit to, to Kemba uh, for what he's been able to do. And he's going to have to carry the load this week. Yep. And I think if we can escape this week, oh God, two and two would be generous. But one and three, yeah. I think, is the realistic expectation. But two and two, I could see maybe a win against Denver and a win against Orlando kind of split the games, you know, every other game. Yeah. Denver hasn't looked sharp to start the season. You know, I mean, they, they're they're gonna. I think they're a playoff team in the West, but they have looked a little, um, a little hazy to start the season here so far. Yeah. Um, I should also mention too another thing with Kemba, he's getting to the line a ton. He's already shot twenty five free throws in seventy three minutes of basketball. Um, he has a, a free throw attempt rate over ninety percent, and on his pick and rolls when he's a ball handle and pick and roll, he's drawing a shooting foul twenty seven percent of the time. Again, just two games, but he's getting to the line a ton. That's why the offense is scoring 107 points per 100 possessions with him on the court, which, again, top five-ish offense. Um, And the Hornets are 17 points per 100 possessions better with him on the court. When he sits, too, offense scores only 60 points per 100 possessions, which is an absolute disaster. That's with Stone or Monk leading the the offense. And, and yeah, I mean, you you need Nick Batum to come back and be that connector. And and Kemba's having to work really really hard, and when he sits, obviously. But you need you need Michael Carter Williams to get healthy. You need Malik Monk to kind of get with the get with the program a little bit, and uh, and you need Nick Batum to hopefully get back sometime in you know December or, or you know whatever, and, and be good to go. Uh, because this right now it's still a huge issue when Kemba sits. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll look forward to this week. It's going to be a, a stretch of difficult games. If we can come out of it two and two, I would call it a successful week. So yeah. um, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably going to be Monday, and we will be playing Milwaukee tonight at eight o'clock. So that's it for the show, guys. We'll be back next week as the Hornets head into a more difficult week, and we will probably be with Spencer. So it's going to be nice to have the trio back. Uh, but again, we have games against Milwaukee, Denver, and Houston and Orlando this week. So let's let's pray for the Hornets that they come out two and two. Yeah. Uh, thanks again for joining us for our 40th episode of BuzzBeat. Make sure uh, to subscribe and rate BuzzBeat Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcasting app you prefer. And we will see you next time with Spencer. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.